Hello, and welcome to Everything We Made, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing We Bite Back by Sonora, featuring my pal, Tara Stapleton, on guitar and vocals. The song comes off their new album, Dominion, which you can listen to on Bandcamp and pick up a CD of now. I was about five years old i saw a shooting star um it i didn't really know what it was at the time it just looked like a bunch of fire and debris and i was outside in my mom and dad's backyard like just observing the sky and stuff it was like just late at night they're having beer and you know just sitting chilling to music and stuff um and i just saw this fire and debris like way out in the sky and i couldn't explain to them what it was it was just like weird and hard to describe i just stared at it for like i don't know like maybe 10 15 minutes and then i just went back to playing like nothing happened um it was just bizarre and i didn't really know i saw like a, a shooting star fall out of the sky until you know much later on when i was like 17 like I went stargazing around that time, but I had no idea. And like, it's always stuff like that where like, I will see something very young. It's not like harmful, but it's just like, I don't understand it. And then it's like 10, 15 years later down the road. I'm like, Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Sick. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But it just left this, like it, it just left this like enormous impression on you later so, or at that point, so then like later when you did realize like what it was, did it seem like smaller in some way where you're just like, um, or no? I mean, I, I mean, it's like once I found the explanation of what I saw, then it made sense, you know, uh -huh. I mean, it could be, it, it could have been a, a myriad of different things. Like sometimes you know, in our Earth's atmosphere, there's, like, so much junk. Like, it's literally, like, a fucking landfill. Yeah. Like, we have, um, 
debris from space shuttles and, you know, like parts of comets that are still stuck in our Earth's orbit. And sometimes, you know, big chunks will just fall out of the sky and just like burn up. And that's what you see, basically. But sometimes it's not always a comet. Sometimes it's actual debris. Um, I don't know. I always think it's like either one of the two. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think that stuff's pretty cool. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't hurt it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you live somewhere where it was like, were you out in like a more of a rural area in Indiana or was this Indiana Um, even? This was, I grew up in Lawrence, Indiana, where I currently reside right now. Um, Basically, it was, it it was like a really suburban area. Um, There, there was some like people and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's the same as much as it was then. This is about like 1998, 99, something like that, 97. Um, so it's been about the same pretty much. Okay. How far is that from Indianapolis? Uh, it's, Lawrence is like a 15, 20-minute drive northeast. It's basically uh, – Lawrence is kind of used to be – a military town up until 96 and um it was just pretty much like military bases and stuff like that in fort ben um it houses what i recently found out maybe like five years ago they have all like of the military's finances and financiers in like this huge building um south of Fort Bend, and it's like the second biggest military industrial complex for the United States in the world, next to Fort Knox, I think. So, huh. yeah, didn't know that, and it, it's, I don't know, It I've always passed by it, but it's just like, it's not really, you know, it's just a big freaking building with like, you know, business people coming in and out, like, it's okay. I mean, I don't yeah. really know much about it. And then there's some like military equipment that's kind of scattered around and stuff. You know, I never really thought much about it because I've seen it so much. Yeah. Um, it's whatever. Yeah, that's like um, this uh, the the town that um, the Infant Island folks are from originally. I think. Uh, oh. I'm, blanking the name of it but it's it's in virginia and i think like that's one of those things where there's like this huge military um base there or something and uh one tour we were driving like to or from richmond and we passed through this area and um someone like uh who was on tour with us at that time pointed out um because they were from Richmond, they pointed out like, oh yeah, that's this military base. And it was totally like, it looked like some bullshit from like Stranger Things or something. It's like, you're like, yeah, you look and you're kind of like, it just looks kind of like a regular building, but yeah, you you know, I could definitely see there being some real fucked up shit going on in there or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and like, yeah, ominously plain, you know, or whatnot. Like, like, yeah. Well, there's so many buildings in the Fort Bend area that were military barracks, and there was like a train station in that area. And a lot of those houses, if you pass by that area, it's literally like houses from like the 1850s. Um, Yeah, it's like nothing's changed over there. And they're building like 
a, like a mall. Well, not like a mall, but like they're building new apartments and uh, places to eat and stuff to do there. Because it's the only the the only um, commerce or, or business Lawrence gets is just the food and nothing else. And no one wants to be in Lawrence, really. It's more just like you're only there to like raise a family, and you know the housing there is pretty inexpensive. So, yeah. um, I mean, I still live here because I, you know, I'm just I like, you know, it, it's easier to live with my mom and grandma, and my brother right now than anywhere else currently. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of happened like that. <laughs> For sure. Um, you mentioned like when you're first uh stargazing experience there uh you mentioned like there being like music present um were your folks always like listening to music around around the house and like when you were growing up and stuff oh yeah definitely uh music was always around as a kid um my dad um had just this huge music collection my mom also was really into music um, my mom was more into like country and folk music and then my dad was more into metal and hard rock, like, you know, dad rock kind of music. Um, my mom, uh, when she was in the kitchen, like doing stuff or drinking a beer, uh, she would listen to Simon and Garfunkel a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arlo Guthrie, um, Charlie Daniels, just a lot of country music too. And then my dad would play like the radio or listen to sports radio or whatever and i think the most music he listened to was probably rush um i think the first like i actually like stole a lot of his music at first (laughs) i think it was about 11 years old and i was just kind of bored i I actually he had bought me a, uh, a creed cd when i was like seven or eight Okay. And it was Creed's Weathered that came out like in 2001 or something like that. And like I put it in the CD player and I don't know what happened. I I couldn't turn it off. And so I just fell asleep with this loud ass music. (laughs) And I think that kind of started the ball rolling for me to like, you know, get. I wasn't like super into music, but like I think when I turned 11 or 12, this was like. I really wanted, I, I first got into Rush and Led Zeppelin because my parents both bought the four CD box set that came out like in the early 90s or something. And I just went through all of it. And like, it was so much fun to like play Legend of Zelda and listen to like Into the Light by Led Zeppelin because I just felt like a lot of the themes uh, kind of tied together thematically. Yeah. So. Yeah. When you said when you said Rush, I definitely I was like, yeah, I can see that. Like because your new album, like you, I feel like it's definitely there's uh, a lot of um, progressive influence, like on the guitar. Oh yeah. And um, so when you said Rush, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it now. Like, you know, parents listen to Rush a lot growing up. I get it. Um, And then you're like, but then I like just like one you know your next memory is you like going to sleep blaring a creed cd i'm like that i don't see as much uh, yeah like but um yeah it's funny how we i mean like 
I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I I think like the music that was pervasive was like Madonna and, you know, Michael Jackson and stuff. And I don't think that mm-hmm. you really, you wouldn't get that from any of my stuff either. Um, yeah. Except I guess that it's that um, as far as stuff that falls in um, the, 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 genre that we're usually associated with i think that we're more melodic than a lot of bands so maybe that was that imprint that that had left on me you know whereas like you know that rush like when you said rush i'm like yeah i can see that because the guitar playing uh there was something i was trying to like really put my finger on um and uh yeah that explains a lot um yeah did either of your parents like play an instrument or um just like fans my dad and my mom were music fans primarily Mm. my my dad didn't really have any musical talent he did do choir in middle school my mom on the other hand uh in high school played a clarinet and orchestra and played violin um she also had dabbled in instruments you know like drums and flute and stuff like that and she was pretty musically inclined. She could play piano. She still can. Mm-hmm. Um, her father, my grandpa, um, he learned how to play piano when he was like three years old. So like he was, he already knew. Like his parents, like my great grandparents, kind of forced it into him, and you know it just kind of traced down to you know my lineage. And you know I think my mom was really excited and really wanted to get the ball rolling on rolling for me to play music. Mm-hmm. And my dad was really excited that, you know, I was, I took his, he wasn't mad that I stole his rust, rust CD. He was more excited. If anything, that I was getting into rush. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, and then, and then like the first band I ever saw in concert was technically it was stop when I was 11, but the first like band was rush. Like, I went, I think it was their Snakes and Arrows tour. Like, it was the last date. Um, and my dad took me with his friends that are, like, in their 40s, like, drinking beer and stuff. And then just, like, I kind of, you know, was allowed into this really, like, private circle of theirs where, like, you're old enough to go to shows with us now. And it was kind of cool. Um, so that was really fun. Um, it, it was like- really nice. Neil Peart with like the huge like dr- drum like uh, rotating like whole whole oh, yeah. and everything like that yeah. yeah and the flames and they uh, I was actually right behind the sound booth too like I I we coerced one of the guys that to get us a seat and like the behind the sound booth so I that was like my first concert experience was like front and center that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was pretty insane. Yeah, I, I think like, I, I think after seeing that, you know, like a lot of, a lot of stuff would seem way more down to earth, or I don't know how to put it, but like nothing would seem as like fantastic as as something like that, you know. Um, yeah. Were you uh, like, is that around the time when you started playing an instrument, like whether it was like at school or or was that something that where you were just like oh my God, this is like something that I need to learn how to do. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was a little earlier too. Um, it was about 12. Um, 
I remember there was this summer camp called the PA Institute where it was in Lawrence North High School where you would get a bunch of kids and train them to play in a, like, a, like it was like an eight-week training program. It was totally free. You could send your kids to the PA Institute. They had to go through that in order to get into the middle school band. So like you had to go, it wasn't, it, it was a little rigorous and kind of daunting, but you know, at four weeks they would have the, the concert where they show your kids like, wow, this is how much your kid is learning four weeks. We're going to do this. We're going to play a concert, you know, and it's all your parents are there. And then the eight week one is like the super, like, this is it. If you, if you, if you fail this, we're not letting you get into middle school band. And then it was like a lot of pressure and whatever. And I was you know, wild, emotionally, mentally. But um, I not only not only learned, I had to learn guitar, but I also had to learn clarinet because my mom really insisted that, you know, I should learn two instruments to help me improve myself as better as a musician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, uh, I don't want to play a fucking clarinet. I really wanted to play saxophone. It wasn't really my choice. I got to choose guitar, but not the not not the clarinet, so it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I think the first I got an acoustic guitar when I was twelve. I didn't really I I had no concentration for learning songs. I would just like grab a CD from my dad's case and just slap it in the CD player and just play the Doors, light my fire until my fingers bled basically, or I'd play along the, with the Beatles and, you know, just, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really have like, a st- like, I didn't really, I didn't really have internet in my room. So I'd just be in there just guessing and mm-hmm. just jamming and having fun. I wasn't really like wanting to learn the songs. I was just wanting to feel like I was playing them and just doing my own thing more or less. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was more fun. I felt like, because eventually I did, try to get lessons when I was about 13 or 14 uh, with with an actual guitarist at Bongo Boy. And it was just fucking awful. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I just didn't really have the, the, the attention span for it because, um, I, I mean, I have ADHD. Well, attention deficit, to be exact. But um, I don't know why. We didn't really talk about guitar stuff. We more talk about, like, conspiracy conspiracy theories and how nascar was fake and sport all sports was fake everything's fake you know and the at aliens your, are at real. Your guitar lessons that's what happened yes okay yes <laughs> yeah no no kidding um i just i don't know if i want to mention his name on here oh no that's yeah no totally i understand um but yeah but, you show up and it, and it's like okay like check out this scale and then you're just like kind of like nah, I, I'm not really clicking with that. And then it would just be like turned into just like a, but do you know what I read about kind of thing? Well, the thing is what happened, I think what would happen was we would just kind of jam and he would show me like, like scales or whatever. And then I would kind of get it or mm-hmm. not. And then he would like be really critical about why I couldn't get it. And then, he used to have this little piece of paper in his office that was like, if you build a house of nails, you build a house of fail or something like that. 
House of Nails. I'm trying to look it up. I don't know. <laughs> House of Nails. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've heard this one either. Because um, he said something. A home whose residents refuses to leave in order to make way for. No, that's not it. Um, <laughs> anyway, he said something about how if I don't learn to practice or at least have dedication, then I am building. I am putting a nails through the walls for the house of failure or something like that. Okay. And he used to say that with such vigor and such, he, he took it way too fucking seriously. Cause he was like, I didn't find this out later, but one of his students from around the time said he had like a Coke addiction at the time. So he was, this is why he was like super serious. And when he said that to me, I was like on the verge of tears. Cause like I, I'm 13, 14 years old. Well, I've been playing guitar for a couple of years. I'm not taking this seriously. I'm like a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, it just, anytime I got yelled at by adults, it was just, it was more of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be around crazy people like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just frustrating. And like, I was scared more so. Um, and after that, I think after a year, I think I got a little too busy for guitars and yeah, I just didn't think it worked out. So we kind of stopped. Um, but yeah, I did have another guitar teacher after that. That was like, I don't know. I didn't really find it as fun because I would like learn songs kind of fast and then I'd lose interest Yeah, because I was just like more so wanting to jam on the instrument, not so much learning. I wanted to learn at my own pace. I think it, it just came down after a few years. I was just like, I think I'm having more fun doing this on my own figuring it out rather than like having somebody older than me um older than me teach these songs and stuff i i didn't really like that traditional i feel like it's a traditional type of learning music i guess I think it's fun to learn like songs and stuff now but like and I mean there was a degree of like my own like the the way that I taught myself to play that was like just learning a song and like I don't know what I thought you know sometimes like 
I definitely did this on the drums as well, where I was like, if I learn how, if I learn a beat, then I should like take that beat and play it as fast as I can. So then when I do it at like regular speed or whatever, it's easy. Right. So I did that like with songs too. Like, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I learned like misfits or Ramones or something like starting out. And then I'd be playing Ramones like as fast as I could. And then it was just easy, like later. Um, and I guess that was fun enough, but you know, you're the first person that I've chatted with out of a hundred and however many people that I think that where you were talking about where you're playing along with songs and you're not actually even trying to play the songs, which is something that I did a lot, like not, um, like, you know, how sometimes you just listen to music, like casually and you're not 100% mm-hmm. like that's how I'd play guitar too. Like I'd have like the, you know, I'd have Metallica on or whatever I was listening to at the time and I'm playing guitar and I'm not like trying to learn the song and I'm not even necessarily trying to play along with the song, but every once in a while I just catch myself playing something that kind of goes with it. And I was like, wow, that's fun. That's cool. You know? And, um, so there was as much a part of my learning that was just largely like noise making and stuff. And that what you described, like also reminded me of that. Um, and yeah, I think that that kind of thing is like really, um, important if you like value the, the, creative side of like playing um an instrument over the sort of more technical side you know yeah and i eventually did learn covers of songs and all that stuff but i mean that was it was more i got more enjoyment uh playing guitar just randomly and willy-nilly and just on my own I don't think I had any kind of, like I said, I don't really think I had, I mean, an attention span to where, like, I could learn songs. I was just like, I just see, like, the first, like, three chords and just jam on that and just completely forget why I was learning that in the first place. I was just like, I, you know, I didn't really, you know, it was more fun that way. Mm -hmm. I think I just, I think a lot of how I mentally build is just, you know, and kind of letting that creativity flow and enjoyment flow rather than like uh, the rigidness flow is more. Yeah. Made me more happier playing music. So. Yeah. Um, When did you start like taking your like desire to play music, like to the place of like writing your own songs or wanting to start like a band with other people? Um, I think I was about 15 or 16. I was writing songs here and there. I would like, um, I think the first project I ever started was probably my freshman year. And like, I found this other kid who was autistic and played bass. Um, I think his name was Logan Stewart. Um, he and I got along pretty well. Um, he introduced me to like a lot of prog rock that I was into. Like, I mean, I was kind of into it, but he was like, like into like the classic 
prog rock of like yes sticks mm-hmm. journey um he had he had genesis mm-hmm. um all these type of bands and like uh, i think one of the big records that changed my life was uh the live album yes put out called yes songs and it's one of the most beautiful albums i've ever listened to and it has pretty much all the greatest it's pretty much a a yes greatest hits record but live pretty much and like listening to it on he had this big sound speaker system that was like halfway to like my waist and it was just absolutely mesmerizing and majestic and um hearing the open what was it the firebird suite opening into siberian katru is just like i still cry every time i hear it and it's just so so huge and monumental to to hear the the swelling sense of the violence go the swelling violence go into the sense just like without breaking like uh, anything or any momentum it's just unbelievable yeah. and like um it didn't really last long we were kind of he was kind of writing songs i was kind of writing songs we were struggling to find a drummer nobody's like into progressive rock at in the year of 2009 and uh we tried to i think enroll into a talent competition when we did find a drummer but it didn't last one session after that and then i don't know it didn't really work out because he he moved eventually and we stopped hanging out but um i i didn't i just kind of like focused on getting better and writing songs on my own. Um, eventually, I did, at the very end of high school, I did find people that wanted to play in a band with me. And it was like two sophomores and a freshman. Um, and it was called Party None. Um, it was Zach, Bill, and Chance. And... Um, they're really nice kids. Um, they're really talented. Um, they played in like marching band at the time, most of them. And like, um, it, it was more of like restricted because they were very busy. And at the time I had a job and really nothing else going on. So it was just like very, it was kind of like when we did get together, um, it was like a fucking blast because it was the first real band I'd been in. I was about 19. Mm. Um, like we didn't really all musically get along because at this point I was listening to like Krautrock and Radiohead and the Mars Volta and at the drive-in death from above 79. Um, just a lot of different bands than they were. They were more of like tweeny bop, like emo kind of music, like MCR, um, Oh, was it Green Day, um, Fall Out Boy, that kind of vibe? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I like that music now, but back then I was just like, I, I wanted nothing to do with it really because I just wanted to try and experiment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that only lasted about a year or two. Um, we played a handful of shows. I think the first show we ever played together was probably in um, the uh, Marah Theater. Well, the thing, and the thing is, though, um, Bill's family had a uh, like an event company 
they ran and they ran the Arabian room inside the Marat theater with just like the little room next to the Egyptian. So like they would host parties in there and I think they were having a birthday party for somebody and that was the first show we played. So was that the first show you played like that you also played like, or had you played Uh, a show before that? Actually, no. Uh, The first show I ever played, I totally forgot this. Um, I had, played a show by myself at the emerson theater it was like a talent showcase thing battle of the bands something like that it was yeah that thing and uh uh i was just i was just going solo uh just me on guitar and doing like little guitar loops and stuff like that it was really bad like very very bad i tried to sing a cover song of uh, blister in the sun and i choked and i couldn't do the lyrics um so i just did it from <laughs> what um so like yeah so to 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 paint the picture for folks who've never been to the emerson because like you know this is just an an audio thing um the emerson is like I mean, what do you say they hold maybe six seven hundred people it's like a seven hundred people capacity uh room um with like a, a, a like a a, f- a five foot stage um mm-hmm. and so like you're in this huge room on this stage i'm assuming and mm-hmm. you're by yourself how many people are at this at this show was it like a one-tenth full like i mean i've been to shows at the emerson that weren't very full which is like you know, it's weird to think about, but like, yeah, what was your experience? Was it, were you just like looking out to like no one? Um, it was when I first got on stage and started playing, it was complete darkness. I could barely see anybody's faces. Oh, well that's not, maybe good then. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I was pretty fucking nervous. Yeah. I think the first few years I was playing shows, I was absolutely like, I felt like my whole, my whole body and my arms just shaking. And I like, just couldn't get the nervousness out. Um, I think that first show I ever played, I think it was March of 2012. And there were, may have been like 30, 40 people, mm-hmm. including the bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there was like three people that were not playing. And I'm not counting like the girlfriends or partners or family members of the bands. I'm sure. just thinking of like people that were just there to hang out. Yeah. Um, maybe three to three to five people. Um, and I don't remember how many bands there were, but like, um, I remember somebody after I played, somebody like got into a fight outside, like not anybody related to the venue, but two guys got into a fight outside and one of them had a knife and they were both fighting over the knife or something. And, I don't know what happened, but the guy stood it up, was sitting on the chair outside, and it was like I came in right after the scuffle happened, and I was like joking with the other bands there, and they were like calling him Mr. McStabby or something because he had the knife apparently, and they were calling the cops and whatnot. Um, and then you had to pro- play. Yeah, we still played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was like right before that. Ha- that was like right after that happened. Like pretty much everybody was done. I think it might have been the last band or two that were playing, maybe. But I just remember playing f- 
live for the first time ever and then that happening um and that kind of i don't know that's like yeah. the only remember i can remember and then like an old guy in the 70s coming up and giving me a handshake oh and i remember my dad was being there because he gave me a ride and that's all i can recall yeah see i was like uh, you know i'm just like thinking because i i've only played the emerson one time also and like that was uh in this band I played in called Acamele and um there were uh there were like five of us you know on stage and um and we played with like uh Norma Jean and and that band Scarlet um Ooh, and, oh. like and there was like uh plenty of people but not it wasn't like packed right and I still, I still, we got done playing. I ran off the side of the stage. I didn't even make it outside. Just puking everywhere. I was just like, uh, I just like couldn't with the stage. Oh. And just like you know. So like, you being up there by yourself, and you're like, I yeah, I couldn't sing "Blister in the Sun." Like I'm like, oh, I get it. Like because yeah, that's such a, that's such a, you know, a weird position to be in. Like especially you know, it being your first show and everything. And, and you're just like in this huge room on this big stage and you're just like, I don't want to blow it. And then, you know, you start to blow it and then it's just like, it's, that's it. You know, like you, yeah. you don't come back from that usually, you know? Um, yeah. But you know, that's, that's a, that's the way it goes with first shows, you know? Um, oh yeah. You kept doing it. So there's that. Yeah. Ten um, years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming this other show, bef- you know, before I asked about the first one, I'm sure assuming that one went better. Um, a little better. I mean, yeah. it was it's still on fa- it's still on YouTube. I think like oh. we had a YouTube. We had a uh, we played our first show and we put it on YouTube. Most of the songs and my equipment setup was very abysmal. I had a really tiny PV 158 that the cable and, and a really small cable that didn't stretch all the way and you couldn't hear me. So they had to put my amp in front of everybody and I was behind my amp. <laughs> and like the, the drum sounded like a fucking gunshot going off each time. So the, the sound was, it, it sounded atrocious yeah, but I think we stayed in time, so it sounds okay ish. Um, yeah, I remember it, it was probably Halloween of 2012, so and I dressed up like a person from the 70s, and um, yeah, that was pretty much it. We just pretty much like danced and ate food, and that was it, like pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and then all, yeah. Yeah, and then I think later on we started playing, like, at the Hoosier Dome and the Emerson Theater. Like, we played our first show, like, uh, in November that year. And it was, like, with these death metal bands. The, one of them was a death metal band and this other band called Run For It, Stacy. Um, Your first show is Sonora? Or? No, 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 as Party oh, of None. Oh, okay, the other band still. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so like that was kind of formative because uh, I think that was the first and only time we played a song and kind of got I wouldn't say heckled. There was a song we used to play called "Why I Can't Sleep," and it was like this Talking Heads type kind of riff. And then 
um, we played it in front of this band called uh, something something Abomination, Renfort Stacy, and some other band, um, and they hated it. Like they they were just like they they were so confused. They thought it was like a joke or something, um, and that was the first time we ever really got kind of heckled a little bit. And then like, and it was by the other band. Yeah. It was kind of like, that's by the the death metal band that were just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what the, why do you put chords together like that? What the fuck? (laughs) And it's just like, it made them laugh because they thought it was terrible. And then we just carried on playing our set. Like nothing happened. Um, Eventually, we uh, we did play the Emerson, I think, in March in 2013, and it was, like, a battle of the bands, and we actually made it to, like, the semifinals or something. Um, and then we played the semifinal, but we never really made it out. We never got anything from it. And I think we played a show at the Hoosier Dome again in May or something, or March, and... I think those are the only shows we ever played. We only played like maybe five or six times. And then the rest of the band got too busy with school and kind of had to, we, we kind of quietly dissipated. Yeah. So, but I mean, it was, it was probably for the best. I think I was just in, in the long run, we were not really clicking at all. And it was kind of a struggle to write songs because everybody wanted to do one, their own thing. And, I think it was sort of like a camp between Zach and Bill, and then Chance was never around because he just he kind of had the same issue when I was a little younger, where just I had no attention span whatsoever, um, and I just didn't feel like I clicked with them. But it was like the only thing I really had going at the time. So I mean, I was very trying. Yeah, I guess yeah. I was trying my best. Yeah, you can't. Um, you can't just like. Like, no, this can work, you know, we just have to keep going, you know, and sometimes it's just like, no, it it won't work. It's better to just, like, move on to something else. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. It just, and it took me 10 years to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, Um, sometimes it does. I mean, I say that, but, like, the action of doing it is a whole other issue. 
I mean, I've been in bands where like I I think I got all got along with mostly everybody, but there have been a couple times where I felt like I just I wasn't going to get out what I wanted from it, and I don't know if it was because I was too controlling or just not happy being in it. So I don't know. I didn't really. Uh, it, it was a real big struggle after it ended because I was I was also uh, taking up drums around the same time where like I wanted to be a drummer and um, because there was nobody that was reliable at the time. Right. Um, so uh, three months into getting drums, I would just invite people like any anybody I knew that played guitar to just to come over and jam with me. And that was like um, kind of fucking awesome. I wasn't a good drummer at all. Like I couldn't keep like a steady beat, but I mean, I was having fun with it at least. Yeah. And like eventually I did play a band in drums for like maybe a few months, but we never really got anything out of the basement um, mm. because of a lot of reasons. Um, then eventually I kind of stopped playing drums. I did stay on it long enough to like, uh, I actually recorded my own music with like guitar, drums and bass and everything and some vocals. Um, I don't have it online anymore cause it kind of very, it's very sloppy and not well put together, but I eventually used that to kind of get myself out there and be like, uh, I can record everything on my own and play all these instruments and you sh should uh, come over and uh, jam with me. And like, I did that for about a year. Um, maybe less than that. Um, and this was before I, right before I got a car. So I think this is around 2014. Um, I joined a band called scavenger, uh, it was this uh, older guy who was a huge heavy metal fan that started picking up drums again. Um, and he uh, he couldn't play it past a certain tempo. Like, he couldn't play it past uh, 140 or 150. It was kind of sad because, like, he was, like, close. He was about 45, and he had, like, stopped playing drums for about 15, 20 years and he had played in a heavy metal band back in the 80s. And, like, I think he just kind of gave up. So we started that. We started a project together. It was me, uh, the singer. I think his name was Adam. And then this other kid, Paul, that was, like, 16 years old that he'd been jamming with at the time. He actually, Paul actually gave him his drum set so David could play on it. And um, that's kind of how the band started. And I had joined just recently right after that. Um, <laughs> we had, uh, I was in that band for maybe like four months. Um, it was really bad. Like, <laughs> uh, it was like a really awful dad metal project. And when you have a drummer that's like limited to like playing a, a, certain type of beat and like can't really do much like he had more of a kit than i'd ever seen anybody but it was like old toms that had been beaten to fuck 
and like had tape all over them. Like he just had this big like eight piece tom that was just like all of it was just garbage completely. And like he didn't really have enough money to like switch heads, so like he would just take heads that were just kind of like already been used and just alternate between like two or three like once every few months so he wouldn't have to like buy a new one i think hmm. yeah get kind of clever <laughs> yeah gets get some life yeah gets, um oh for sure so like you know you're you're talking about like you're you're still in like around like 2015 or whatever so it would be several years until you would form uh sonora but like um, how did y'all form when y'all came together originally? I mean, I'm assuming this was somewhere around 2018, 2019, because the first release was 2019. So how did that come together? Um, well, the first release, we actually put something out like a few years earlier than that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like Live However, Die Whenever. Okay. Um, that was technically our first release, and the band had been around, because... This is kind of timely because they, uh, as when I recorded the Scavengers EP with the drummer from uh, Pickwick Commons, Brandon Stuck, I think, uh, I recorded in his parents' like basement, and it was really nice. It was a really nice place. His parents live on Geist Reservoir, so he he kind of was loaded. <laughs> uh, and he had a really nice studio and we, we got something good out of it and I really kind of, I liked a couple songs out of that EP but I was mainly there so we could get it, I could get it recorded and get it out so other musicians could join and I could quit because I hated being in that fucking band and I think around the time when I was go, when I had a car and I was volunteering for the Hoosier Dome a lot of the guys that were in the music scene booking shows and volunteering and playing shows and we're in the scene like die hard for about the last five or six seven years just hated hated what i showed it what i was showing them and just basically convinced me to like get the fuck out and i was like no you're right i need to get the fuck out i just don't know what else to do um and it was kind of more so peer pressure that i was kind of wanting to get out pretty much um so once I did that, I uh, I found another drummer that lived in Greenwood, and that's how Sonora started, pretty much. It was about February 2015, I want to say. I had the it was the first band practice between me and Cole. Okay, and then you said you had another release, but you had taken it down, um, and you know the band. <clears throat> the band has just released like your for first like full length um like obviously a million factors over the last couple years would have uh, been in the way of of all of that happening but um what like would you say like the biggest difference between like the way that you recorded your first thing and the way you recorded the new album would be like, were you just well more like, uh, rehearsed? Um, was it, was it just like being a band all this time and like, you know, everything finally clicking? Like, what do you think made it the right time to like record 
you know, um, for a I selfie? Think, um, we recorded our first EP in 2016, and we had like released a handful of EPs and a split um, over the course of a few years. Right. Um, and over time, we were like slowly getting comfortable with like recording stuff. I think there was. I mean, there was a little bit of struggle. Uh, I think we there was another band I was in where, like, I was doing a tape recording and, and couldn't uh, understand where the bass and drum were hitting because I was so dependent on them playing. So, like, I was really confused, and it got the, the engineer and producer to walk out of the room because I was just, like, it sounded way different than what I was playing with and it wasn't communicated to me what what I was hitting like to anyway um no that was frustrating but like I think when Sonora recorded our first EP we like it was a little more difficult and I think I had we, I think I had a little more time to record parts just because I had the guitar and vocals around me all the time and you know the files were in there and all we had to do was just like send them on you know, online or through Google Drive and stuff like that, we could mm -hmm. work on it. Um, that was a little, you know, difficult at first. And then after, I don't know, Red October was pretty hard because I remember we had to do this thing where our drummer had to connect headphones into the headput jack, headput, headphone input jack, and then I wouldn't be able to hear myself. I just had to like, I just had to guess. And that's pretty much how I made most of those songs. It was like five or six songs I recorded. Basically, I was just like playing them, but I couldn't hear myself, but the drummer could. And I just had to guess what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. And that was, I don't know how the hell I pulled that off, but it sounds okay. It's just the quality's not super great. Which and then release I think, was that? Uh, Red October. That okay. was like our second EP. Okay. Um, and um, after that, we got a new drummer uh, and we recorded a couple EPs. And uh, one, it was uh, IEPY, and then the second was Guilt Trip. That was um, at Butler University. Um, and then we uh, recorded our first like full length of songs at uh, our friend, my friend Adam Skinner's. Uh, that one. Dance flies. That's pretty much like half old, half new stuff, and some of it's just like parts I've taken from old songs and then put it into the new stuff, kind of like that. And I think Dominion is pretty much our first album where it's just like all new shit, pretty much. Oh, okay. So, and technically, it's our second. It, it, I mean, it is our second, but it's just like for me, it's our first album with like all new stuff, like all of it, and um, pretty much it was the same thing. Uh, where we did with Adam, where it's like we recorded um, a live with uh, Corey from Moongoons. He's a really awesome guy. And um, it was really pretty easy to work with him. We, we had uh, recorded it within like a day, pretty much, a day or two. And um, yeah, and then we were, we were going to have a sax saxophone player on, on on one of the songs but we just didn't really have enough time so okay there it came it came back that that uh love of the saxophone 
And, and yeah. It was that the one that got away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're saying that you wanted to like go in depth a little bit on some of the like themes of the songs? Yeah, 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 definitely. So like we, uh, the first song, Midwest Abyss, um, we, we, we uh, made it kind of set the tone for the rest of the album. Um, and then the, I think the first half of the album is more of like setting a tone and kind of the third song in the middle of that is more of like I wrote it about an ex-partner of mine who is trans femme like me and she worked at Starbucks at the time and even with the mask on she was still getting misgendered a lot and a lot of that was not only my frustration but also her frustration and what she talked about a lot was you know how angry she was about being mis just treated horribly and doing all the labor and doing all the work and just and just feeling like you're the workhorse all the time and i was in a similar situation that you know when i when i worked at goodwill at the front end as a cashier where like i was misgendered a lot with and without the mask and i was confronted a lot with my you know my identity my trans and basically, you know, there would be these fucking weirdos that would try to convince me to turn to Christ or whatever. And it was just really awkward. And eventually I was just like, no, I'm not going to be your fucking friend and like, you know, go with you because I know this is a conversion therapy session that's going to torment me and I'm not into that shit. So, you know, that was sort of a little bit of that song and i think the rest of the album is sort of like sort of like a, a a dream state kind of idea where like in our universe there is thousands upon thousands of stars and we believe in our in astrology as sort of like you know something above us because we're all carbon based life forms right so like i think astrology is really important because we feel like and, and i'm really into it too so like it feels like the stars are controlling us and making us do these things and having an big influence and big influence and impact on us and the later half of the album kind of talks about that where like um the world is so shit, then why can't the, you know, why, why can't we make it better? And then the later half of that is sort of like going through a black hole and trying to change the, the, the astral projections of the stars and shit and becoming something more than human and stuff like that. And I mean, that's, it's kind of like more of trying to, any means to escape capitalism. And it's like, something I've always wanted to do is just like find an escape and find a way out. And I think there's a lot of themes throughout the album where it's just like, I don't feel like I fit in and I don't want to be in this world that's falling apart. And there's, I would do anything to not be a part of it and be above it. And, you know, I think the only way to find to find truth and in peace and solace and in order to survive is 
each other as people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like we're the most... Uh, I feel like there is more of a class war happening and the only people that are really able to... The only way that people are able to survive is through, you know, food banks and preserving the wildlife and killing landlords or, you know, making them cease to exist um, and stuff like that. And I think the world would be a much happier, better place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what Dominion is kind of about. So I just really, I, I'm just really excited to talk about it because, you know, I think Corey did a great job. Um, I think he's just a masterful technical engineer and producer um, he's in a band called Moon Goons, obviously. So um, they put out a really great album last year. Um, and it was awesome to work with him. Uh, he convinced me to get a rainbow bridge. Um, it's like this little pink white amp, uh, no, sorry, little pink white pedal that I got that he also has. And I just kind of got it on the whim, even though it was like 280 bucks. It was a lot of money. But it's been so much fun to play with and it's on the record too the rain- like i got it huh it's called the rainbow bridge not the rainbow machine oh rainbow machine sorry oh, okay, okay yeah okay correction rainbow machine it's a wonderful pedal um, oh yeah yeah and- I've, I've yeah we we i was in a project and one of the guitar players that was in it at the time um was using one and uh they're wild yeah they're a lot of fun yeah, yeah. it's it's fun to play with. I mean, I I can get any kind of to uh, I could get any kind of tone delay wise, and it's got like little weird pitching and tracking to it, and it's got this weird magic setting that's just absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> and like, it's been one of my new favorite pedals. Um, yeah, so it was fun to like mess around a little bit and put effects and like octaves and stuff like that on on guitar it's just like it makes it makes it sound a little more futuristic yet still you know thrashy like i kind of wanted it i think i found a really nice sweet spot for this album guitar tone wise awesome other than the new album like what um what have you like i know that y'all pressed it on cd um do you have like release shows planned or um i know you've been working on booking a tour is are you still like looking for um dates for that or um the 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 tour uh is pretty much all done and ready to go um yeah i'm really excited uh we're gonna play we're gonna play a tour kickoff show on the third at healer with deadfoot the receipts uh Shizu and I can't remember the other band. Um, Dr. Go- uh, Dr. Boldylocks. And um, we're going to play Knoxville, Atlanta, Winston Salem, uh, Portsmouth, Ohio, and then Bloomington, Chicago, and then Madison, Wisconsin. And we're driving back Sunday. We're going to be on, ro- on the road for about maybe eight or nine days. So. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been like super stressed from booking this tour because we've we've been trying to do something like this for the last couple of years, but um, the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. and then we've been trying to slowly build ourselves back up. Um, 
and just write new stuff. We got a new drummer on top of that. So like Joe, our current drummer, joined, I think, in the middle of last year. And he's been like an awesome, awesome addition. Um, and I think because there was about a few, maybe like half of the year where like we just weren't really doing anything. Like after Dance of the Flies hit was when the pandemic was, you know, really settling in it wasn't really going away Mm -hmm. um so we just decided yeah let's just write a whole new album let's just keep writing you know we're not really playing shows i guess yeah so um so it it just didn't really work out um our drummer at the time uh was just going through a lot of a lot of shit and just didn't really want to go anywhere or haul any gear anymore and just kind of went MIA and gave up. Um, and then after, I think that kind of happened at the beginning of 2021. And then I was in another band called Out in Public for a minute. And then once that kind of dissolved, I started focusing on Sonora. And then I hit up Joe like immediately as that ended and uh, got that rolling. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I hope lots of people check out the album and uh, and come out and check y'all out on tour. Um, you said that starts September third. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, and like, uh, where will would be the best place for folks to like check out the rest of the dates, like um, the itinerary online? Um, we have on Facebook. Okay. Um, we're probably gonna i probably should post it before i because originally we're gonna play louisville on the third but we couldn't find a venue at all um and the one person we'd been kind of relying on uh it just didn't really work out yeah it's kind of fell um yeah but we, I'll probably post it probably by this weekend, so it'd be like the twenty sixth or seventh or something. Like that. I don't know. Okay, um, so around it, that time, is it Facebook dot com slash Sonora? Is there like is it like Sonora IND or something like that? Or how? Oh, how uh, Facebook dot com slash Sonora the band. Okay, okay. So yeah, because you, I mean, you can't just like I find out like trying to tag bands and stuff uh when these episodes go up that it's like really you have to get really specific sometimes um yeah that's fair yeah um well that's awesome uh do, is there anything else that we should chat about before we take off um probably uh, um I can't really think of anything else. Um, I think this album is probably our best work lately. I think it's it's technically a concept album. Um, I had somebody tell me one time, uh, it was a uh, co-worker that my bassist talked to who reviews albums online on the side. uh, Basically said something along the lines of like, if... um, the basically the concept of the album is like you know this is a post-capitalist world and the only way to get out is dying uh the thing is like i mean it's sort of or kind of open to interpretation i think the last song of the album 
is more so just like rising above, like dying in this, you know, the, the, the settings that we have current, we are currently living in now. Mm. I think, you know, we can rise above that over time. It just, it feels like dying is the only escape, the only true way out. And, you know, the guy was like, you know, maybe Tara needs a bit of an intervention or something. I don't know. And I think it was kind of like a boomer response. But um, <laughs> with all due respect, I mean, I, I think that this album is going to come off as dark because I feel like the last couple of years has been like a big struggle, like not just for me, like creatively, but also emotionally and mentally. I think for a lot of people, it's been like, really hard to because i think a lot of us have had to you know reconcile and face a lot of our own uh fears and desires and reality and also just like our own faults so like i used to feel like so panicky and so just full of fear and anxiety i mean i still am that like I think pushing that into the music kind of, you know, I think helps a little bit. I'm starting to feel more comfortable talking about the, the bad shit that's going on in my life or this bad stuff I've gone through. It's a little more therapeutic to kind of process the trauma through music rather than just, like, talk about it, too. Because, I mean, I talk about it a lot on and off, but, you know, it, it's the stuff that when I put it into music, it kind of helps a little more in a in a prophetic what's the word i wouldn't say euphoric cathartic cathartic i guess yeah Yeah. i get to yell about it And that was my conversation with Tara Stapleton. Thank you so much, Tara, for taking the time to chat with me. Go check out Sonora's new album, Dominion, now. And after that, go to patreon.com slash human machine and see what I've been up to. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>